Welcome everybody to the Christian Marauder. I'm so glad you all came. I have a special guest here today, Gary Wayne, who wrote the Genesis 6 Conspiracy. And it's an honor to have uh, Gary Wayne here. We're going to talk about a wide variety of subjects today. And we're going to talk about mystery of Babylon and the Babylonian system, the new world order, and wherever else we decide to go on this thing. So I want to welcome everybody here. So welcome, Gary. How are you doing? Well, thank you for inviting me to your show and so happy to be here today and so anxious to talk about some of the things that we're going to talk about because, you know, prophecy is one of my passions. So anytime we're going to get into passion, one of my passions, then I'm going to be raring and ready to go. And hopefully we're going to talk about a few things that may get people thinking and maybe have them dig a little bit deeper into some things that uh, I think that people should, uh, because there's so many views on so many different things out there today. So it's important that people verify what we're saying, as opposed to, you know, being open to allowing themselves to understand scripture in a way that's consistent with scripture. It's probably the best way of putting it. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, um, I have a tendency since in my background and training and stuff, I've been trained to think outside the box because you have to do investigations and stuff in the criminal justice field. And you have to put a case together, you have to present it to a judge, you have to have all the facts, so forth, et cetera. And, and you have every dot and I crossed. And so um, that's where I, I kind of approach prophecy. I'm always open to correction because I figured I never know everything, you know, I just don't. And a lot of people get stuck on prophecy and they think they know everything and they follow this, this pattern. Right. One, yeah. And so one of the patterns that I want to talk about that a lot of people get stuck on is the mystery of Babylon. Yeah. Mystery Babylon, mm -hmm. the great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. Yeah. I'll leave that open to you there, Gary. So what do you want to kind of share on that? We'll kind of jump into that and start talking about that. Well, I liked, uh, just to back up a step, I liked a couple of things that you were just mentioning there. So one of the things, and I have, a, I have an approach, and I'm sure you have an approach that I use as a guideline in terms of how I like to approach prophecy. And what it allows me to do is look at what other people are saying with a critical eye. And does it make sense? Does it not make sense? As well as what I'm doing. And it allows course corrections Yes. If you've overlooked something or if you've missed something, because none of us know all of it. And, you know, just as we're going to talk about the mysteries, there's more than one mystery in the Bible. There's a lot of different things that in the Bible, it's very difficult to know. So a couple of key things that I just so that people know what I'm where I'm coming from. And I won't go through the whole list if people want me to send that the whole list in terms of what, uh, how I, I approach prophecy, um, then just get a hold of me through my website and I'll, I'll send that to you or through Facebook. But I think a couple of the most important things are is that I tend to want to be able to use every piece of relative prophecy or information and it has to fit like a glove. You can't leave out the inconvenient ones if you, yeah. because if you do, there's something wrong. So it's, it's got to fit or it doesn't. And I also don't apologize for what Jesus said. I tend to put all prophecy and doctrine around what Jesus said, including end time chronology and not vice versa. And I find that's where a lot of people, those two points are where a lot of people sort of go wrong and, 
I also think that all of the allegories within the Bible are defined within the Bible and that you need to understand a lot about prehistory to know what those allegories are talking about. So I have a few more, but I think those, if people were to start with that approach, you know, deal with the inconvenient passages. Don't ignore them because anybody who knows what they're talking about is going to bring it up. So when we're talking about the mysteries of Babylon, there's a lot of mysteries in the Bible and Babylon is one of the key ones, but you know, there's a, there's probably a dozen mysteries or so of the Bible that is talked about as a mystery, whether or not it's the mystery of, of Jesus's coming or the rapture or the mystery of God and on and on and on and on. But each one is one of those mysteries that I think it's inviting you to try and resolve and I think the closer we get to the end time, the closer we get to what that's actually going to be. And I think that's what Daniel 12 talks about, that, you know, the worlds are going to be sealed up until the end times. And that's probably the closing centuries and then moving into the fig tree generation. So the mystery of Babylon is so key to understanding the transition between the birth pangs and the opening of the seals and into the last seven years. And that's why we need to sort of understand it and mystery is more than just sort of a mystery as in a mystery novel which it can be used for that in revelation 17 we get that application as well but it's also a mystery religion yeah and that's the that's the greek word mysterion which means hidden or secret things as in the mystery religion and secrets given over to initiates. And so a lot of the allegories is going to center around that. So the question gets to be is, is what polytheist mystery religion is it? And then sort of how does that sort of come about? But if you're not coming at it from a religious perspective, that's what it is as part of what it is, then you're kind of missing the larger point. But and I'll just sort of finish up on this is that there are a lot more details about mystery Babylon as to what it is. And people tend to not look at all the different aspects of it. So a religious aspect is just one of those aspects. Yeah, it's, that's true. And when I look at that, I look at the same way. I, I see the um, immediately since I, I did a lot of research into Alice Bailey and uh, <laughs> I couldn't read her stuff. I said, you know, I said, Lord, how in the world can I do this? And it just popped in my head, do a word search. So I started typing in government, religion. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh my, <laughs> and I put it all together real quick. And it's like, and, I, and initiation, all this stuff. And uh, it goes right into the mystery of Babylon. I don't know how I can try to express that in a short amount of time, but I, we're going to try tonight, I guess. We're going to try. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what I found myself, Gary, is this, is that the mystery of Babylon is a, co a commercial corporate sort of a system. It's a business corporation. It's a geopolitical system and a religious system, too, like you said. But it seems like the corporate giants and the geopolitical leaders have their own religion behind the scenes, yes. sort of a secret religion behind the scenes. And so that's what I've been finding. And the evidence, you know, Bohemian Grove, you can go there, you can go to Burning Man, you can go to different other places, even the Druids over there in England and Stonehenge and a few other places in Germany. And you can go even to the Gotthard Tunnel ceremony that opened in 2015 and see some of this stuff. You see a world's elites 
leaning towards this paganized uh i don't know what else to say it what you know I, you know when i'm reading the scripture and i'm reading the book of revelation i keep seeing the ancient um pagan creation myth in the bale cycle or the ball cycle yeah. in it and trying to draw god back into the world for one last conflict so they can they think he's timmy at they want to chop him up or chop up his order, his his creation, build it back better. I mean, that's that's what I'm finding in a nutshell. Is that what you're finding too? Oh, very, very close to that, absolutely. And so directionally, I think we're you know 100% on that page. So, and if you look at you know the religions of the secret societies and the religions of the West that are polytheist, they're both the Gnostic religion, and then there are various offshoots that people might recognize as New Age or Theosophy and and some other denominations and that's a cosmology and a religion that's trying to put together all of the original polytheist religions back together as they originally were both before of the flood and then right after the flood and if you look at you know the word babel uh, yeah. which babylon is rooted in and you look at what an archetypical figure like nimrod did and the things that he did and how the occult views them is that is the start of the mystical religion after the flood that spreads mm -hmm. to Egypt later and then all around the Mediterranean and all around the world through the spreading of the various peoples out of, out of uh, Babel. And so if we understand that that is an allegory for that mystery religion, and then we understand as we get other language that comes out of the Old Testament, that's talking about the daughters of Babylon, the daughters of Babel. These are the various religions that were set up in all of these nations around the world that us talked about. And it's using the same allegory and the same sort of root. And then if you look at Daniel's prophecy, where he starts off with, Babylon, whether it's Daniel 2, 7, or, or otherwise, you have uh, that Babylon empire where you have that daughter of the religion that is part of those beast empires. So it's part of that organizational structure of the empires. Yeah. And, and they were basically dictating a lot of what would happen in the empire. So very, very powerful. And with the mother goddess, as it sort of comes along with that dualistic religion. And if we look at the end time empire, it's going to rise out of the old Roman empire. So Mithraism was one of the popular religions uh, of uh, the army in Rome. That goes back to Zoroastrianism, which was the religion of Persia and, and Babylon and in that area. And I would expect that and its sister religions to be part of this cosmology and universal religion of the end time. And we need to be aware of that because people are looking for something a little too narrowly focused, like one specific religion, like a lot of people might think Islam. And, mm -hmm. and, and I get and I understand why, but does it really fit with all of the details that we get in the Bible? And the answer is generally no. And the one thing that we didn't talk about what Babylon is, it's also a city, as it's talked yeah. about, named nine times. So it's got a home <sighs> city as well. So, yeah, it is, it is a religion, and as you said, it's a geopolitical organization, and it is a commercial 
organization as well that's going to grow rich off of controlling all commerce in the world. So we have to look at it in all of those different aspects. We also need to also know that the spurious forces, the adversaries uh, have been wanting to take over the Catholic Church to bring it into reign so that they can recreate it. But it was talked about in the Constitution that was written for the Knights Templar as the new, as the new Babylon. So understand that they're using the same sort of allegories as they're moving towards putting their religion and their dragon messiah on, on the throne. And people don't really know that the Jesuits are the new Templars and were set up and sponsored to bring about that new Babylon after the Templars were disbanded. And now you have a Jesuit Pope on there and the Jesuits interpret the Bible through the seven sacred sciences of Gnosticism and secret societies. And so look for more of those doctrinal changes. And I think Catholicism is going to probably be a large part of the universal religion, but it's a part of not necessarily the universal religion or it's going to have to change so overtly and then have false prophets and things that come along with it that are going to force everybody to convert but i think it changes so much from the inside it turns into a polytheist religion that's going to be part of that universal religion that is going to be the glue and the epicenter for bringing about the 10 king empire of, of the last days yeah that's uh, so how i see it too gary it's it kind of reminds me of um uh, I'm going to quote this, uh, Alice Bailey's Externalization of the Hierarchies, 50, 1957, page 544-545, uh, and I'm just going to quote right here. It says, therefore, we are isolated, if I may use such a word, three activities which Christ is at this time dedicated. Now, she's not talking about the, she's talking about the, uh, the New Age Christ, but in number one. The reorganization of world religions, if in any way possible, so that their out-of-date theologies, their narrow-minded emphasis, and the ridiculous belief that they know what is the mind of God may be offset in order that the churches may eventually be recipients of spiritual inspiration. Number two, the gradual dissolution, again, if any way possible, of the Orthodox Jewish faith with its obsolete teachings, its separatist emphasis, its hatred of the Gentiles, its failure to recognize Christ, and she's talking about the New Age Christ, is in, in saying this, I do not fail to recognize that uh, those Jews of the world who acknowledge the evils or are not orthodox in their thinking, they belong to the aristocracy of spiritual belief, to which, the, you know, she goes on to that. But then she goes on talking about blending the Christian religion into this, too. And I'm going to bring that up here. Uh, and it was very interesting because she explained how she's going to do it. And this is the reappearance of Christ chapter six in the new world religion the presentation of religious truth and i quote in the past has blocked the growth of the religious spirit theology has brought mankind to the very gates of despair the delicate flower of christ's life has been stunned and arrested in the dark caves of man thinking she goes on about all this mumbo jumbo but this is the the, the idea that she presented here that she channeled she channeling a, an evil spirit here is the get rid of the world's religions mix them into a big mix a babble 
<laughs> Isn't that interesting? Uh, Babel mix today. And she goes like this today. Everywhere people are ready for the light. They are expectant of a new revelation uh, and of a new dispensation. And humanity has advanced so far on the way of evolution that these demands and expectations are not couched on terms of material betterment only, but in the terms of spiritual vi visions, true values, values and right human relations. Now, Bailey's idea of right human relations is unity like globalism. You agree with it or you don't. And, and I go on, I'm just going to quote this last thing. Um, the workers in the field of religion, they're going to work together uh, to build a universal platform of a new world religion. It is a work of loving synthesis, an emphasis on unity and the fellowship of the spirit. And this last thing here. Um, she goes on, I'm just going to paraphrase this part here, is that they're going to infiltrate the churches. <laughs> she laid out a plan, and they would uh, literally either kill the church with cold orthodoxy and shift people to seek signs, wonders, and miracles, and, all, and, and how to reach spirit guides or angel encounters and all this stuff. And I'm not kidding. This is what this lady was channeling, and it, it's... And so the idea was to get this new age thought, this new world religion where everybody is mixed, everybody's in unity, get rid of the old fuddy-duddy stuff, and, and we all get along, we come into unity, what do you call it, the universal Christ consciousness. I'll let you take off on that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I have to admit they've done a marvelous job of bringing those seemingly what would have once thought to be an impossibilities into a place where it's very, very realistic. So they have invaded the Christian churches and you see in a lot of churches, you have a lot of Masonic, um, you know, icons and, and uh, symbols and Gnostic, of course, cause they're kind of, they're kind of the same that, that are involved there and they don't, teach the literal Bible anymore. They, they teach it as if it was Gnosticism where everything's interpretive and everything has an allegory and you need to be an adept or a priest to, to understand that. And the mundane people should be happy with the pablum that they feed them at the lower levels. And they don't teach prophecy or prehistory anymore mm -hmm. because they don't want you to focus on that. And they're preparing people within the church to accept something that may sound reasonable with all of that preparation combined with some shiny objects and catastrophes and false prophets and things to go along with it. So they're, they're laying the groundwork and everybody's probably familiar with the world council of churches um, that even, you know, the Vatican is involved on. They're not a member, but I think they have 13 members that are working consistently and then the vatican is also working the other avenues of talking to buddhism and islam and all the other religions to bring them in and the central sort of theme to what they're doing is that every religion is going to have to compromise to make this work if, I mean, and I'm not making this up. This is as it comes out in, in their public reporting quite regularly. And that's why you see a continual erosion of what is to be taught within the Christian churches, because the seminary schools have been controlled by them. And that's why, you know, they only teach what they've been taught. And it's unfortunate, but that's exactly what happens. And I, 
I have a lot of ministers contact me and say, I've not been taught this in seminary school. Can you provide me more information on it? Because it's been nagging at me and I find what you, what you're saying is compelling. And these are the people that are supposed to be looking after the flock. And so they're going to lead a lot of people in this watered down Christianity. And so they're going to have to de-deify Jesus. They're going to have to roll him back to a level of a prophet status. And surprise, surprise, Mm -hmm. that's what a lot of religions around the world already believe. So they're going to present falsified evidence to say that Jesus didn't die on the cross. And genealogies, the whole bit, they're going to just sort of bring that out. Because as Paul said, Christianity's belief and faith stands on a single fact that Jesus was crucified and was resurrected three days later to heaven. So if he didn't resurrect, and that is a fairy tale, as they're going to call it, it's an allegory um, where the hero doesn't find, you know, is has a, an, an ending that's contrived so he doesn't meet this sort of worst sort of end is how they're going to paraphrase it and then they're going to reinterpret the bible and they've done a lot of work and study in terms of how they're going to do that but they're going to require some evidence so he's going to be a prophet like confucius he's going to be a prophet like buddha was and he's going to be thought of in those sort of manners as an incarnation as buddha was an incarnation of vishnu or Narashima was an incarnation as of Shiva, the destroyer god, and Narashima is who Aslan is based on, <laughs> a lion god and an incarnation. The Christ consciousness is an incarnation that they say as one of the sort of allegorical names for one of the Antichrist figures is Lord Maitreya, also known as a new Buddha. But understand there's going to be many antichrists, and Jesus talks about that um, in the book of, of John also reinforces there's going to be more than one antichrist. So there's going to be many rivals to this antichrist type figure. So we have to be careful because the true antichrist is going to come along and catch everybody off guard because he's not just trying to be a Buddha. No. He'll be a little different. He's going to be a counterfeit jesus not an incarnation in terms of a polytheist religion but to try and specifically deceive the monotheist religions and so we have to be aware of that so that's all wrapped in there as well yeah that's uh that's well said i'm sitting there i i I keep thinking of all the stuff and all my research and i'm I'm, I'm just my head spins sometimes i think about it the christ consciousness and all this and basically i see it in the churches i mean it's I see what everything that she channeled has happened, you know, the infiltration into the churches and I'm just paraphrasing, you know, make, make them so stick in the mud that people rebel against them so that they go to the signs and wonders and seek the Christ consciousness, the unity, um, put it another way to look, look for the transfer of from the Piscean age into the Aquarian age where we're supposed to be in the transition of that now. And so I find it also interesting um, how on December uh, 25th, 2020 was Saturn and uh, Jupiter lined up, which was, uh, I can't remember what conjunction of Aquarius that was, but all these people were, uh, 
were saying that it's a time of upheaval and stuff. And all of a sudden, it's when you look at the the our political climate, you're looking at the people and the commerce and the, and the global monopolies and all the people in power. They're insanely pushing for a global new world order and a new consciousness and a consciousness of unity. But it's not unity like we call unity. It is unity only agreeing with them. Yes. And yes. They're insane. And when, when that date hit, I marked it on my calendar and I, and I watched it happen. And we're seeing it right now in the halls of Congress playing out. We're, I'm watching this stuff, but these people are so insane. I, it, and, and they really well, believe this stuff. If you know what you're looking for and you train people, look for it, they, they, their, their jaws and eyes get big and they go, wow. <laughs> they, they are impatient because they feel their timetable has been set off and they don't understand that they're being held back by the restrainer and things yeah. won't happen until the ordained times, but they're going to still push. And so it's interesting that you mentioned that alignment of Jupiter and Saturn, which is uh, part of that sort of global cosmology. So this comes out of the Latin and the Roman pantheon yes. with the gods that are represented with Saturn being Satan and uh, Jupiter being his son. So let's call that Amp uh, Antichrist. And that would be a sign like the star of Bethlehem in astrology to the polytheists, right? Yep. And so whether or not that means he's being born or he's about to enter the world stage, I'm not into the secret societies. I can't tell you exactly what every detail of what their belief system is, but that's an important sign. And so it's, again, one of those things that says we're entering perhaps into a closer time to the end time than what we've been in before. And I, I personally think we're in the fig tree generation, but I don't set dates or anything because everybody's been wrong ever since. And the, there's so many gravestones of people who have made bad predictions. And I'm not a prophet. And I don't mean to say that. But it, understand that that's not the signs that is being talked about in the Bible in terms of what we should be looking for. Those are signs that comes out of astrology. These, the, these signs are going to be astonishing in their scope and visibility that's going to drive people to confusion and fear and things like that. So we're not there yet. We're not, you know, people think, you know, I shouldn't say, quite in that way but people suggest a lot of times that we're at the whatever trumpet level or the seals have already been opened we're not we're not there yet we're in the birth pangs and yeah, so we are <laughs> and the birth pangs include wars and rumors of war earthquakes uh, pestilence and famine and they will increase as we go and they are they're not all working in conjunction yet so those birth pangs are yet to come together and by the time of the seals and the opening which is starting to get to the start of the last seven years as i understand it you're hitting an increasing intensity level of 25 percent destruction of death of the earth of everything which is again with you know using what jesus is telling us to understand what the birth pangs are all about and to understand revelation as it fits around what he says and the trumpets are 33 percent 
Well, we're, we haven't seen that kind of destruction yet. So to think that we're at the midpoint of the last seven years, we've got a lot of things yet to go through. So it's going to, if we think what we're seeing is bad now, we have not seen what tribulation really looks like. It's still coming. Yeah, that is. That's uh, that's kind of how I see it too. I see that, like I talked to my wife and stuff. I said, "This is we're not in that period. We are in the beginning of it." And I and I read the scriptures. I say that it gets really bad before the seven years hit, but there's all there's a foundation that has to be laid, and that's what the mystery of Babylon, the great harlot, is doing. It's a spiritual entity. It's how what best I can put together, who's in charge of putting a foundation for this to happen using the commerce and the business and the geopolitical and this secret society and or, or secret religion where it brings mix all religions together, make a new world order, sort of this type of idea. And so they're laying the foundation for that. And that's this push for it now is what I'm seeing because these people are really open about it. And uh, I'm just simply amazed at how I, when I study, I'm actually seeing them pushing for it. And that's what amazes me. We're not anywhere near that because we haven't seen the destruction, which is true. We haven't seen the 25% or the 33% of destruction of the world's resources yet and people. And so I'm just seeing this building up there to it. And, and this, it just amazes me how it parallels what Josephus said about Nimrod and other, other ancient texts where it talks about the Babylonian system, how Babylon wants to, uh, or Nebuchadnezzar, for example, wanted to make uh, everybody a Babylonian, erase your culture, cancel your culture, erase it. And, you know, he tried that with Daniel and his three friends and didn't work. But that's the idea, bring everybody into this new Babylonian mindset. And that's kind of what I'm seeing we're going for right now. In this well, and, and that, that's exactly <laughs> why we need to understand the Beast <laughs> Empire's past and prehistory and everything that sort of goes along with that. So it's the Babel syndrome. It's the Babylon religion. And it's, it's about one belief system that's always enforced through the tyranny of the government, which is where the 10 kings are going to come into play who are subservient to Babylon until they turn against her at the midpoint of the last seven years. So it's that Babel syndrome. So everything that's going to come along, we're starting to see some of the ideology of the false prophets in, the, in, in, in this sort of aspect. I'm not saying we got the false prophets out. They, they are making false predictions, but they are not in the class of what we're going to see. So what they're saying is, is if we don't do this, whether it's global warning or um come together so there's not war we're going to destroy ourselves from the face of the earth everything is apocalyptic that if we don't do this we're going to uh, destroy ourselves from the face of the earth so we have to have this new babel which is that babel syndrome of coming together with one world government with one world religion that nimrod had as a you know antichrist archetypical uh, figure of control over and those beast kingdoms have been trying to do the same thing and Babylon was the, you know, the best example of coming closest to abomination with a, with a global empire uh, that we've seen. So we can rely on that as to things that are going to be happening. And 
What's also interesting about those beast empires and this polytheist religion is those empires that are given to us in prophecy are as they related to Israel and Judah. So that there's going to be this strong interaction between Israel and Judah because Jerusalem and Judah and Israel are always at the center of prophecy as we go through the fulfillment of the curses as opposed to the blessings because of the violations to the covenant. We have to go through this and Israel and Judah are going to be reconciled in the end time as well. So all of this is still coming about and we have to be aware of this and so also expect taxations as as what we're seeing not so much in the u.s just talk about it but in the rest of the world there are like value-added taxes and there are carbon taxes and there are gas taxes that are carbon taxes and these are apocalyptic taxes and so you're going to see more apocalyptic taxes that if we don't tax you on this then the world's going to come up part and that's going to be part of how those tributes that Babylon is going to take will come about so she's going to grow rich off of every transaction that takes place in the world it will be a transaction or a value-added tax and it's like a tribute and that's why she grows wealthy and when she's destroyed that's why all the merchants and the kings around the world are saying all the commerce has come to the end. All trade has come to an end. And, and they're actually mourning Babylon, even though Antichrist is rising to his pinnacle at this point in time. Yeah, that's, that's how I see it, too. It's just uh, uh, I see Babylon doing the same thing here, the system doing it and the taxation. I don't know if you read that, that work called uh, Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars or not but that little document there talks about economic weapons and putting people in massive debts and countries to collapse the system in order to go into well, basically nowadays you'd call a digital currency and where you have to they want that so you have every everything's controlled where everything you buy sell or eat is controlled where you go is controlled it's all about surveillance i read the rockefeller stuff too on a lot of their reports 2009 2010 reports are very revealing of what they're planning to do. It's, it's they want to build a surveillance <clears throat> state, and they're getting that right now with this uh, uh, so-called pandemic thing. <laughs> yeah, they're very close to bring bringing that all you know all about. So, yeah, they are assembling things in ways that um, people are not taking enough notice of, but they're still building it, and that's that's one of those sort of important things. So we have to we have to keep in mind that uh, that the people that we need to be watching for is the ones who are very much globalist, right? Yeah. Uh, and they cross all parties and all religions. And if they're globalist, they're part of the adversaries. And so watch what they do, not what they say, because what they say will be designed to take your eye off of what they're actually doing. And so they're, they're continuing to, to put all of these things together. And I just have to sort of get people to try and just say, you know, just watch what they're doing because everything is designed to bring down the borders or to create an economic disaster. So it's going to be 
what I call counterfeit disasters, contrived disasters yeah. designed to bring about their agenda. They'll take a natural disaster and, and, and use that, but look for more contrived disasters that are disguised as, as sort of being um, kind of natural as, 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 as that is coming about. And when we look at uh, what's going to be coming along with those disasters, look for a couple of things. One would be, and this is my speculation as I sort of put the details together, look for this economic kind of reset that they're talking about. That will, yeah, that's the buzzword where it's about resetting everything in the world through the idea of there's too much debt and that will allow the digital currency to come in and it will allow them to create the socialistic world based on China of oligarchs where you have, uh, but it'll be more aggressive than that. It will be what China was before. It will be the small rich elite of oligarchs and everybody else who's equal. They can't, they're not trying to raise the standard of living around the world. They're trying to lower the standard of living of the Western civilization so that they'll be equal to the most poorest nations on earth and then gobble up the control and the wealth themselves. And also look for changes in the medical system because that's gonna be a delivery system for this high tech surveillance world matched with AI, matched with implants, matched with giving longer lives and health that is going to be starting to come together for these, what I would call the beast system that's coming about, the AI uh, beast system and the mark of the beast. So keep an eye out on that. And Davos, which is always keep an eye on what they're talking about, what they're trying to bring about. And this year it's their great reset that they're talking about. And that there is no longer a world superpower because of the change in the US politics that they are now able to start moving on this 10 king empire because you can't have the superpower that is too much powerful in the other groups. But it's the healthcare system that was talked about a couple of years ago, which is going to be the delivery system to bring all of these technologies together because people are going to demand better health. Mm -hmm. And that means vaccines and things like that for all of the pandemics that they're going to be launching on the world. Yes, that's, yeah, I, I, have, I don't know if you have these documents, but I probably should send them to you. I should send you the 2009 uh, global report by the Rockefeller Foundation. You can see some really interesting pictures in that. And then the 2010 scenario plan, which predicted a worldwide pandemic, and they have little cures for it. And throughout different scenarios enacted, there the basic thing was nanotech developed nanotechnology and uh, tracking systems in the body. Yes, yeah, connected to AI. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's <laughs> what they want to do. So this leads to another point about this Babylonian system that I found, and I keep running across it. It goes back to the religious component on it, is that they really. I go back to Genesis chapter six, the Genesis chapter six conspiracy. They came down to earth and the fallen watchers did, the angels did, and they altered the human structure. They altered humanity. And everybody wonders, why would they do that? Well, they want to get rid of the image of God in people and reshape it into their image to get God so mad that he has to come down back to earth. 
or something and in some climatic climatic battle i'm just paraphrasing my research here and so when i went through that i'm finding out with this days of noah stuff that you wrote about 300 pages on feet 300 of your book we're going to be seeing some of this stuff this technology where it's actually altering the human genome and yes. so i go in the world economic forum with uh klaus swab there and their little cute little videos of these nice little tattoos that they have dna that soaks into your skin and basically ai in you and they want to put your technology of your cell phone in your body they now they have uh say elon musk is, is perfecting a chip where they put implant in your brain so they tested a chimpanzee who now can play test i mean chess <laughs> i'm going i mean this is not the realm of science fiction anymore or crazy nope. talk these people are actually pushing for it they're actually as a days and no they want to alter the human what it means to be human so that you can be controlled like the brave new world idea where you have the little uh, the gammas or whatever i can't remember all the characters you have the Everybody has their little role in place, your surf class. <laughs> Everybody functions, and then you have your A plus, A minus, and the guys above that. And so that, this is, this is, this is a, I'm seeing everything take shape like it was in the days of Noah. I mean, yeah, it, it's exactly that. And we're starting to see on the horizon, and maybe they have the capabilities of doing more than what they're letting us know right now but they're having they're on the horizon of creating these fabulous mythical beasts recorded in polytheism all around the world in the mythologies and the religions and that's important as you talk about in terms of the days of noah that our technology is just catching up to that yeah and our technology is actually going to have to go beyond so that they can actually convince people to fight against the god of the bible because of the weaponry that's going to be required. And when we talk about the days of Noah, those were 600 years before the flood and 350 years after the flood. And Jesus used the specific words spoken, copied down in Greek as they match up as they were written in Hebrew in Daniel 9, um, Daniel, not Daniel, Genesis 9, I think 20, verse 28 and 29, that the days of Noah were 600 years before the flood and 350 afterwards. And what happened before the flood, and we need to know what happened after the flood with the recreation and Babel and everything else, you had the whole earth, the whole earth became corrupt. It didn't say that it was just violence that was going on or people were godless or they weren't just expecting the flood. That was part of it. But the whole earth had become corrupt. And that's the Hebrew word shakath which means to decay, destroy, to ruin, to change, to alter. And so that is implying when it says the whole earth, exactly that, that the complete plant genome and the DNA structure on most everything that was on the earth had been changed as just exactly what you had mentioned. And that's why I think, you know, putting two and two together is why God, not only brought on the flood, but then called each of the proper representative of each species onto the ark to replenish after the earth. Beings, or in terms of Noah and his wife, his wife and the family, and animals that were not corrupted DNA-wise to repopulate the earth. And so people say, well, why weren't the unicorns? <laughs> 
part of the ark, right? You hear that all the time these days, these playful things dancing around and they forgot to go to the ark, even though they were called. That's not why they weren't on the ark. If they were, and, and, poly, and I think there's a good case that in polytheism that there might've been a unicorn, but it was a chimera. Yeah, a chimera. It was multiple animals in there. It was DNA they um, altered. It was probably close to the size of an elephant and it could kill an elephant with one gore of its horn. Yeah. And it was large enough to be the horse of preference for the Nephilim warriors and kings to go into battle on. So the reason why it wasn't on the ark is it was corrupt. And we see that today as we're corrupting all of the different genomes of the plants around the world and starting to do that with the animals. And they need to complete that with yeah. the corruption of humankind. And so before the flood, you probably had several different waves of that. You have angels procreating, but you also have probably a lot of DNA modification and cross-pollinating with some of these other creatures that they created. So when you look at a centaur, I mean, that's a human and an animal body and an angelic. So you have a third, a third, and a third right mm -hmm. and so if you look at something like bigfoot today and if there's if that has a reality to it and it was either created before the flood and again after the flood or somehow survived the flood depending on how you want to look at it what you've got is that same sort of thing you have an animal and you have a human possibility of a dna and and an angelic part of the dna which allows them according to the mythos to um cross produce and have uh, offspring through humans, which is part of, and I know I'm going down a, a, a rabbit hole there, but I just want to make sort of that understanding in terms of that's what we're starting to see happen now. So you can imagine in Revelation 9, just before the midpoint of the last seven years in the counterfeit Armageddon, as I like to call it, which matches up with Joel 1 and 2 and the timing of Ezekiel 38 and 39, that those creatures in Joel 1 and 2 match up well with Revelation 9. And these are different than the scorpions that come out with a bad Napoleon out of the abyss by the details that are provided. These seem to be these DNA-altered, transhumanistic type of technology and AI and things like that that are being created as the ideal weapons for war in the war that needs to come to battle against God. It's leading all in that sort of direction. And you have to have a religion that teaches that. <laughs> and we Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, and, and they have it. And that's the religion that I think the Jesuits are trying to walk through with Catholicism. And, I, and again, I just want people to understand, I think Catholicism is a big part. I don't necessarily sort of believe that it is the whole piece. It is just part of that cosmology, so to speak, coming together. Yeah, I, I see the same thing. And uh, I just, this AI stuff is amazing. And there was, um, what was that? They were talking, uh, this was a while back. I can't remember the year, but they actually crossed, this was big news back then with CRISPR. They crossed jellyfish dna with a yep. rabbit so you have glow in the dark bunnies hate to see yep. what they have now so i looked into it they have art they're perfecting artificial wounds that right now the animals can't live outside the, the womb for too long but they're 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 the chimerans um 
they're altering things that are beyond compel what you can see. You can just go on the, uh, the, the websites themselves where they have, they do the experimentations and you can see some of this stuff on their pictures of it. They talk about it, they're open about it. And I just hate to see what they're coming up with next. <laughs> it's amazing yeah, to it, see. It's abs abs absolutely scary. So, and we ought to, we ought to realize that this rising religion is going to embrace this. So it's going to be a merging of the seven sciences mm -hmm. in with how, how it used to be. So those seven sciences, the education of today, the seven liberal arts was a manifestation of not the manifest, not, not a manifestation of a kind of mis, misspoke there. It is the root center that brought about the original mystical religions that was had religion created about not only to honor the pantheon of the gods who provided them more knowledge but to keep it secret from the mundane humans and to uh, develop it more they developed it into the seven uh, disciplines and that is where the mystery schools and the secret societies come into play and they all have that nexus point of creation with those seven sacred sciences of Cain and Enoch uh, that merge with the fallen angels knowledge and then the creation of the giant so you have the creation of this sun worshiping Enochian mysticism, uh, son of Cain of the antediluvian epoch, this knowledge coming together, the dynastic Nephilim kings and the fallen angels and all interacting, this is coming in the end time. And you're going to see a, a rise in the last seven years and maybe even just before of that interaction of all of these kinds of beings and angelic beings fallen angelic beings as they start to come uh come through and and certainly we have two main points where they come through is in revelation 9 and also in revelation 12 at the midpoint where they're all cast down all cast down to heaven but understand that i think we're going to see angels that are not in the abyss being more active the closer we get and there's a little interesting passage in revelation 2 i think it's verse 8 to, verses 8 to 10 and it talks about 10 days of tribulation mm -hmm. and of course that if you match that up with the days of uh, a week and daniel's prophecies and understand revelation and daniel meshes together perfectly with their allegories that's kind of suggesting three years of this tribulation before the last seven years where Babylon is probably rising and this thing is coming to that sort of frenzied apex before you get the birth of the 10 Kings. Yeah. I kind of saw the same thing. I just came across it a little differently, but yeah, I, I see that there's uh, revelations uh, chapter two. There talks about the church of Smyrna or Smyrna yeah. and about yeah tribulation 10 days. I thought that was interesting 10 days. And, so that's why I always say, you know, there's going to be, just going to build, it's got to, the whole Babylonian system, this mother of harlots has to lay the foundation for all this. I mean, I go back and I trace it. I don't know if the triple goddess is all one entity or three different ones, but they appear to be three different ones, but that's the mother and the two harlots. If I, I'm modernizing it now, 
and just in terms that people can wrap their heads around it. And the ancient triple goddess worship was big back then. You had uh, Sibylle, all of them that are involved in this, Artemis, they're all involved in this. Uh, and people, this was big back then. It was, it, it, this was one of the biggest thing that coalesced and brought, I call, you know, you probably know more about that. I do the mystery religions and kind of coalesced. And I kind of see this uh, new religion is sort of like revived <laughs> mystery religion and what greater place than when they practice it the most is in Rome, you know, so, and I just, the correlations all fit and I'm just watching it play out. And so you have this religious component behind this, pushing this narrative. And it's almost like you have, your, you know, we call them the seven sages, whatever you want to call them. And they, uh, you have initiations. And so you have to go to a higher level, you have to be initiated. So the, I'm going to use Bailey's language, I guess, the spiritual apps or whatever you want to call them, uh, they're the, the masters or whatever you want to call them. The, I call them fallen angels. They're making contact with humans and to initiate them. And so the people at the top realm of this Luciferian agenda know what they're doing. And the ones below it on this hierarchy level don't know that they're being geared toward a war with God. Exactly. That's a, and that's exactly they they want that rendezvous with destiny, so that they're they're going to pull it up, bring it about. And so with rising Babylon as looking at that as sort of what brings this all together for the last seven years, and obviously starting just before that to make that happen, is understand the term the Queen of Heaven. This yeah. is coming back because that's part of the whole religious mother goddess aspect of those mystery religions past. And they're all the same religion. They just have different vernacular names for the same gods yeah. and vernacular names for the same rituals. So it's the same pagan polytheist religion. And this queen of heaven is described in the past and is being described with things like the Mary apparitions today as looking exactly like, so past and present with that representation of the woman in Revelation 12, which is not the same thing, but that's how they're making that description. And they're going to use that to deceive people that this is part of prophecy and turn prophecy all around because the sign of the woman has nothing to do with the mystery religion. It has everything to do with Israel and the birth of Jesus and what, mm -hmm. what is about to be important to the Jewish people in awakening Israel for the next three and a half years that they're going to be in Exodus and under the protection of God and yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And this, uh, it just, it just amazes me. This, this rise of this, uh, mother earth, uh, goddess worship and the save the planet, how it's all interconnected. And you see this upper echelon who know this. And then the ones below don't, they're all being geared toward a war with God. They don't even know it. And I, I found this, and maybe you, I'll bounce this off of you. I brought it out in one of my videos, but I'll go back to Genesis um, chapter 6 here, real quick here, and read this verse and get your take on it. And and I was actually... Genesis chapter here was 11. I can't remember. I think it's 11 with Nimrod. Uh, yeah. 
He said the whole earth, earth was with one language and one speech. Okay, that was the uh, Tower of Babel. And so it says in verse 6 of chapter 11, And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one. They all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose will be withheld from them. Yeah. So what I see here, they're trying to build all these weapons, but I think the main weapon they're building is unity. They want this one unity to get everybody in this one world mindset, globalistic mindset, and then the higher initiates know what they're doing because they're preparing the way for the Antichrist to come at like uh, Marduk or whatever with a secret weapon to, to slay the, the who they call the chaos monster Jesus or something. And they want to bring them back to earth in one final battle by altering the human DNA. So God has to act. And I keep seeing this pattern all throughout the scripture in the tower of Babel. They tried it in Genesis chapter six. They tried it. And, um, and well, nothing Jesus new is come. Yeah. He defeated them. <laughs> yeah. Nothing is new un under the sun. And so if you, if we alter our DNA or it's altered for us because we're not smart enough to understand what's going on, I mean, there's a good case Jesus, yeah, I mean, and God are going to reject those who knowingly accept those changes. And that's part of making sure humankind doesn't reach their destiny, which they've always tried to do, the fallen angels, to justify their own, own rebellion. And you were talking about Mother Earth, and that is the Mother Goddess. That is yeah. Gaia. That is the same image that um, they're going to be selling. And understand that this mystical religion is a nature religion in the past as well. And that's why you have so many nature things with gods like CERN and Cernunos and Azazel and Pan. And why you have all of that imagery around CERN and things like that. So understand that that's all of that patchwork that they're bringing together slowly and preparing people for, 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 for the end time. And again, it's that understanding that they want that Babel syndrome because their doctrine teaches, and as the new age likes to broadcast, is that in order for humankind to advance to the next level of our spiritual development and into godhood, that requires everybody coming together as one, a world government, a, a world religion, acting as one so that you can have this harmonic convergence, as they like to call it, where instantly people will vibrate to the next plane of existence. That's yeah. the promise that they're, that they're going to be promising. And to promise godhood, they have to promise two things. Now, it's only going to be godhood in the physical world because they can't get to the dimension where heaven is um, unless they're permitted to go there so they're going to try and offer some sort of immortality yeah. right so that requires clone bodies replacement parts transhumanism all of that sort of technology that's physical and then the second pillar as they like to talk about is knowledge so they have to have act you have to have access to this unlimited knowledge with having that chip that is going to give you everything you need to live longer plus clone bodies and things like that and access to ai and probably the, the atma particle that they're searching for through places like cern which is 
an invisible particle that they allegorize as the God particle in its true meaning that has all of the knowledge of the universe that merges with the particle and through quantum entanglement, that's why you have quantum computing and technology that's merging with AI, that information is dispersed to the universe instantaneously. And so the AI and quantum computing will allow access as will be the promise to at least part of this knowledge. Understand for, um, for sake of argument that there's gonna be degrees of access to that information that they'll control. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're seeing some of that. To, uh, I mean, this this is stuff is, you know, make a great science fiction book if it wasn't true. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you know, it's it's as it is so often is reality is more fantastic than science fiction. Yeah, right. And so I think what people don't understand, and and again, I try and get people ready for this is we can't imagine what's going to be coming at us it is that bad that mind-altering that crazy we're going to see things we couldn't imagine could be possible and all in a bad way until mm -hmm. it meets its final resolution and it's going to deceive the elect if that were possible and of course it is and jesus has warned us about that and so we need to be waking up to what scripture has said, both in the past and what it predicts for the future so that we don't get deceived, that we better understand this. And this universal religion, it is going to take the world by storm. It's going to be evangelism like we haven't seen before, but with doom and gloom, prophetic catastrophes that they say they are going to predict yeah because they're going to have contrived catastrophes because they're false prophets that's right yeah I, i'm looking at all this stuff and you're talking about all this they're they're selling everything as a means to improve your life and they want you to have a long life but they never really explain why they want you to have a long life and basically they want to put you you know in your class so they, they want to program you as a worker bee or something so you live long so you have less children and so that's the thing they it sounds like it's all for your betterment we're doing this for you it reminds me of what the devil talked to eve about it's it's good for food it's good to make you wise you know it's, it's this is what is being sold to you and i'm i go to the world economic forum it's all there they have it, all it is. little videos you can read about it you can go to the world government summit too you go to the interplanetary whatever it's called in the un interplanetary conference whatever it's all there too i mean they come back with the phrase build back better. They use catastrophes. Yes. Inter, inter, I see the inter, interplanetary conference committee 2017 report is all about how to build back better after catastrophe. And they're talking about natural disasters, of course, and, and doing yes. the right thing. I supposedly as a cover, but I read through the lines there and they want to use controlled catastrophes to implement a new world order in order to improve your life. They want yeah. to tear it down and build it back better. You know, just I keep coming back to the bail cycle, chopping things up, and it's 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 like wow, somebody is pulling the strings here. Well, it is, and the thing is, is when I talked about, there's really going to be two classes, right, with yeah. a very small one in the middle. 
if we understand what happened before the flood, if we understand what happened after the flood, and we understand what happened into history in that this is a very short period of the last couple of hundred of years where we've got some Western nations that have sort of broke that mold uh, for a short time. They had instituted a feudal system as we would have understand it in medieval times that goes all the way back to the time of the Nephilim taking over before the flood. And what that means is you have a religious class and a warrior class, uh, which is the ruling class, right? Yeah. And those are the bloodlines, the ones who have the divine spark of life, the thousand points of light, the gene of Isis, all the different buzzwords that they like to use to describe themselves. Then you have this uh, sort of meager sort of merchant class, just mm -hmm. enough because they want the, the oligarchs, which are the bloodlines, which are the elite to control that's the corporations coming about um, and the very wealthy billionaires and things. They want to control all of that, but they need the mundane little transactions. So they need a meager amount of merchant class. And then you have the slaves, the ones who do all of the work, the ones who are going to be used for sacrifices, the mundane humans who are not regarded as capable or worthy of evolving into this new age and being gods like them. But they're going to need some because they need some people to do the work and then they need people to sacrifice. Like Klaus Schwab says, uh, and then when I got, I copied his video before they deleted it, but it's, you know, you will own nothing and be happy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's the idea. And, you know, some people who might be joining us for the first time might think, what are you guys talking about? You know, um, I've done my research and Gary has too. You, you know, and, uh, and I go to myself, I go to the actual sites, look some of the stuff up. And what I find is, is simply amazing because these people are actually planning for this to happen. And first time when, in college, when I was in college and we studied, uh, actually it was in, in uh, high school where we studied uh, Plato's Republic. I keep coming back to that. It's almost like they want to build a Plato's Republic <laughs> type of thing where you have the elites, everybody else, and you have a small little class. Um, I call it a new middle class and uh, self-indulgent people who monitor the surf, make sure nobody rises above their social order, yeah. make sure all the gene things work, everything they implanted in you work. In case you rebel, they can get rid of you. Yeah, yeah so that small middle class are humans that are carrying waters for yeah the superior ones right yeah so they're the complicit ones out of, out of the human race that's why they can't be allowed to be too big and again if you go back through history that's the model it's the four class system mm -hmm. that was set up in every culture all around the world yeah doesn't matter where you go it's the same four classes and yeah. that's what they want to reimpose uh, with the polytheist religion because that's the class system of polytheism mm-hmm and I go back to Josephus and the study and from Nimrod there, and also with Nebuchadnezzar, where the Babylonian system, they use science, religions, they, they, they were used to support the Babylonians culture that the globalist culture that they had at that time was the superior culture, the superior class. And they had everything. They had uh, their major, you know, Babylon was a major trade center. They marketed new ideas, new inventions. We're seeing that again. They created what I call, uh, when I tracked it out, is that they actually created a mass amount of wealth and created what we would call term today, you know, 
corporate monopolies, but back then there would be trade guilds, but they monopolized trade guilds and, 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 and made corporate monopolies how we would trade yes. today. And then you go through, and I'm looking at Babylon. Of course, we've just been talking about their religious system. And, 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 and they used their religion to justify conquering the world. I thought that was interesting. And then Babylon was the culture center of the arts and entertainment and media. I, we didn't have media like we do, but, you know, their tablets and stuff, you know, just modernize it. You know, this is the propaganda. All of that stuff was found in the system there. And, it's, and uh, they wanted to Babylonianize everybody into one language, one group think, one mindset. It's globalism. I mean, that's how we call it today. And so I go to uh, Josephus there, and I thought this was very interesting. And I think this is Josephus. Which book is this? It's book one, chapter four, I think. Yeah, chapter book, Josephus, book one, chapter four. It says, now on the plain which they first dwelt was called Shinar. And God also commanded them to send out colonies abroad for the thorough peopling of the earth that they might not raise seditions amongst themselves but might cultivate a great part of the earth and enjoy its fruit after a plentiful manner. And I thought that was interesting when I researched that they wanted, God didn't want people to have be grouped together because they'll fight each other and, yeah. and they'll create monopolies and wealth and power under the influence of the fallen watchers, of course. And, and, and they will, um, in order to fight oppression, they will oppress. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, oppression comes from centralization. Yeah. Right. And God actually had instructed the Noahites when they came down uh, to migrate and go out and settle the earth. But they were afraid and they came together as one people. And so they didn't listen to God. And that's when you had very quickly one person be able to rise up with Nimrod to become that Antichrist type figure. You have centralization you have oppression. And so even the religious structure that was set up by God in Israel, it was a very flat structure. Like, you, yes, you had a home central church, but you had all of these other decentralized temples and locations and tribes. It wasn't this, this, this hierarchical organization you had a high priest but you, it was a very flat organization sort of underneath and in you look at modern religion whether or not it's in the catholic vatican religion you have a very hierarchical setup and a very centralized dictation of doctrine and policy and rules and regulations that don't always line up with what the Bible actually talks about. Mm -hmm. So this whole centralization, this all one people thing, it is what allows Antichrist to come. And that's why with all of the beast empires through history, and that's, you had that opportunity where an Antichrist figure could come about, but you have Michael who is always fighting against the empires to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah. And he, it's not that he prevents, doesn't prevent the empire from coming because he, he, he permits that. He just permits, does not permit an antichrist type figure to control it. And so the end time empire is going to come, but this time he is not going to prevent antichrist from actually coming on the scene and taking over. And we, we, we need to understand that it's part of what we're taught 
all everything that's written in the Bible is important. We know you may not understand its relevance, but it's there to help us understand what's going to be happening. And not to get too far ahead of ourselves as well in terms of that understanding so we don't make um, mistakes that are through our own pride. And that's why the understanding of the end time is designed to be unfolded and understood as you get closer to the end time lest you create all of these apocalyptic cults that deceive people. And that, what that does is it destroys faith. So everything there we need to sort of understand and in context. And if you want to look for what's coming, look to what has been, because it's the same thing again. Just as Lucifer tried to raise his throne to heaven, Nimrod tried to do the same thing, and, and Josephus um, talks about that in, in, in pretty good detail and other accounts as well. You have Nebuchadnezzar trying to do that. They're all trying to raise their throne to heaven. Mm -hmm. And Antichrist is going to do that. And he's actually going to bring down some of the starry host uh, after the midpoint of the, of the last seven years. So it's all done after and in the mode of what Satan did. Yeah. And it happens over and over and over and over. And that's why you have Michael preventing and controlling the empires as to exactly what they can and can't do fights against them. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm seeing too. And they they're making this push for it all, all over the place to set the stage for it. That's that underlying Luciferian religion thing. And I like the word mysterion too, because it also refers to revelation that's given by the Holy Spirit to people at the appointed time. Yes. <laughs> it's a revelation. And it's, that's what prophecy is. We don't know everything. You know, I'm always open to change and stuff. You have to, to study Bible prophecy. I wish churches would preach it more and stuff, or even just not be so afraid to look at Josephus and just look at Nimrod for a second. Like, um, uh, this is uh, num this is book one, uh, chapter four, I think. It says and it says here, nay, they added to their disobedience to the divine will the suspicion that they were therefore ordered to send out separate colonies, and being divided asunder, they might be more easily oppressed. So here's Nimrod convincing these people. Now, if you go out and obey God and spread out and be that linear thing like you're talking about, uh, you'll be easily more oppressed. We need to have a, a super stay together on the plains of Shinar to avoid that. So what they do is, like I said, this is the global idea. You have to have unity to stop oppressing by oppressing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but we're going to, we're going to continue in this direction and people will, uh, I think they've been well prepared in the last 20 or 30 years to bring down the borders, accept that we're global citizens and, it's not coming as easily as they want, but it, it is going to happen. And we're still on that march to global occupation as Gary Kaw liked to talk about in the nineties and was really bang on in a lot of his research and presentations. And, mm -hmm. you know, the prime minister of Canada, uh, Justin Trudeau, he, uh, when he was elected, he said, Canada will be the first post nationalist country post-national 
Yes. They want to get rid of that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we can't be, we can't have, you know, borders anymore, right? We have to be these global citizens. So he's never been, and, was, and I think what you're going to see more of with the administration that just is in control in the U.S. right now, not interested in looking after the citizens of Canada or the citizens of the United States. They're only interested in taking your rights and your wealth away and setting up this globalist oligopoly state, this, this uh, what I would call global nationalism, mm -hmm. as opposed to national socialism or global socialism, however you want to phrase it, because they're actually in the doctrine of species supremacy. Yeah. And so they get us all pitted against each other with the four races, but that's not the battle they're fighting. They're fighting a supremacy of species issue that they want to impose and what they had in the past. And that's why we have to be very careful not to let them divide this, but they are very good at that. And they divide us to cattle herd us into global occupation. Oh, that's, that's true. And it's all done to protect the sovereignty of the elite. <laughs> it is, it's all about that. It's all about their money and their power. Yeah. And then I looked here and, and uh, Nimrod, what, he changed the governments into tyranny. So that's kind of like I'm seeing the stage now where we're with the globalist mindset. We're actually going that direction where we're shifting the world's government toward tyranny and on a global scale. This is not just the United States. This is worldwide. And people write me from different parts of the world and they're hurting over there, like in UK and Australia and New Zealand, all the other places in Indonesia and other places. It, this, this, is, this is worldwide push for global tyranny sold to you that you're gonna get benefits. And like Klaus Schwab said, you know, or another guy said that we wanna get rid of meat because you guys eat too much meat. And so we'll give you meat as a little treat. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly it. They don't wanna share the meat. They want us to eat something else. Yeah, something genetically modified yeah. out of a test tube. <laughs> yeah, but they're going to eat the real stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, they want, they're, they're to hog it for themselves. And they don't want a multiple party system. They mm -hmm. only want one party. And that's why we're starting to see that hammer down into get rid of the opposition. And that is going to be modeled after what, you know, happens in Russia, an oligarchy set up or China. Um, where you have one party system. So you give sort of this veneer that you have a vote, but you never do because it's always for the same people in power and you have no ability to challenge that with another ideology. And so look for that to continue to happen because that is what they talk about. When they talk about unity, that's the language of the globalists. The globalists yeah. is unity only in their belief system. Everything else has to be destroyed. So when President Biden is talking about unity, he's only talking about within his belief system. And that's why they've characterized everybody who disagree with them as terrorists. Yeah. Don't be fooled by their buzzwords and their, their, their language. They're talking to their own followers. They know exactly what they're talking about. And people who aren't awakened to the language of the spurious forces don't understand that they do everything in plain sight and they say everything in plain sight. You just don't understand what they're talking about. And 
to make that correlation the best I can to an audience um, as large as might be in the United States is that, you know, the two Bushes were, were globalists and they both used and George Jr. actually used it for George Sr.'s um, funeral, a thousand points of light for the mm -hmm. new world order. That's the spark of the divine. That's the spark of the fallen angels that they're talking about that they want to bring together in that harmonic convergence. They talk about the language to each other in plain sight because they know people for the most part who aren't part of that elite system. They don't understand the language that they're actually communicating in. So they communicate in taciturn languages and art and buildings. They use allegories and literature and they use double entendres and allegories in their speeches. And the people who are well-educated, they know exactly what they're talking about. So Biden, he's a pseudo blue blood. He's not part of the bloodlines. He's mm -hmm. being used, but that unity term and what you're seeing, you'll see unfold, is not unity of ideology. No. <laughs> it's amazing. It just... Uh, yeah, I, I would say unity of, of different ideologies. It's a unity of one ideology. Yeah, one idea. And it's theirs. One idea yes. only. That's all yeah. you want is one idea. And it's all pushing toward that. And, I, and it always goes back to that one religion there. And it's like Nimrod wanted to revenge himself for destroying their forefathers. I mean, either he was a yep. Nephilim, I don't know. No one knows really. He could be probably just an average Joe or whatever. But uh, the idea was, you know, you destroyed our forefathers. You destroyed what we're going to do. So they're trying to revenge themselves against God. And that's what the Luciferian, this elite class, who's doing all the uh, very open stuff. If you know what you're looking for, you'll see it and you'll hear it. I heard it from the Bush when he first said it. Both Bushes talked about in '91, and uh, and and George Jr. There, he talking about the thousand points of light. You know, this was like, wow, these guys are really into this stuff. <laughs> and you just see it; they they, they want to initiate. Then I go on TV, you see uh, music videos like Taylor Swift did one, and all the the thing of Nimrod and the Mother Goddess and all this stuff and reunite it back and they open up the door with Nimrod and they go out to conquer the world and it ends you know you, people look at that they don't even know and have a clue what's being portrayed as ancient pagan religion about a war against God and it's constant yep. in these in yep. music videos it's in uh, uh, we call it the Marvel comic um, movies that are out now all that is is this programming to Babylonize everybody into this one world group think. I mean, it's amazing, but you know, I, that's why I wish churches would actually. So the, so the communists, the communists said, and Stalin said that it would take 20 years to brainwash a population mm -hmm. over. I don't think he was quite accurate on it, but in it, it will take, you know, decades to do it. And they've had, and they've been doing it for decades. But the thing they forgot is that you'll never convince everybody and there will be this certain segment that will not accept it. They will not be brainwashed. They, are, they refuse to be asleep and those they have to eliminate and they already know that. Yeah, and that's, I'm going to just come out and say it, you know, that's the role of the church. 
is to educate people about yes. this stuff, warn them so we can be that light, real Christ. I mean, likeness and, and be be real Christians in the world where we don't fall for this and we make a stand against it. And that could could be one of the reasons. I don't know, but it could be one of the reasons why the uh, during this time the persecution of Christians are going to steadily increase. And then when the seven year period hits, it's uh, and, you know, I believe in the rapture, but I also know that there are going to be people in here afterwards that are going to have to uh, pay the price here for their faith. You know, you have the 144,000, you have the two witnesses, you have a lot of people on the scene. I won't get into all that right now, but, you know, the persecution is they're going to be warring against somebody who, who's that small class who sees through them, who's not going to capitulate to them. Well, exactly. And it. And, you know, in Revelation 6, which is uh, part of the sequence of the resurrections, and you have the first fruits there as they're depicted. And they're told to wait a little longer yeah. for the tribulation of the saints, as it's described. And that's in the first three and a half years. Yeah. And that's a great number of first fruits. And 144,000 are also classified as first fruits. Uh, that you're talking about. And I believe they're awakening Israel and they're announcing to the world, like you need to, you need to seriously uh, understand what's going on and you need to make your stand for God or the Bible is accurate as to what's going to happen to you. And you also have the two witnesses. So there's going to be tribulation like we haven't seen before. And that's different than the tribulation of the last three and a half years, which is the tribulation of the world. Mm -hmm. right not seen since the beginning the word affliction that jesus uses in as it's translated into english in matthew word affliction is the same greek word as tribulation philippies that is that tribulation of the saints that revelation 7 bears witness to yeah. And people don't make those connections. And there's tricky words that are used in the English translations that aren't necessarily wanting you to link all of this thing up. And so you've got a tribulation in, in the first half, a tribulation in the second half. And that tribulation in the second half are the people that are still here who refuse the mark, refuse yeah. to worship Antichrist and Satan. And they're going to be resurrected at the beginning of the millennium. Mm -hmm. So if people think that, the Holy Spirit is going to be removed, and that is the restrainer, which I think you can make an argument for Michael or the Holy Spirit. Mark and Luke are very, very clear that it's the Holy Spirit that is going to be within people in this time of tribulation mm -hmm. of the saints, not to worry about what you're going to say, because the Holy Spirit's going to provide you the words to testify. And what we need to get better at as Christians is role modeling, our witnessing, and our testifying so that we invite people to be saved. We can't mm -hmm. force them, but we can model what we're supposed to be doing as things get closer. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be pushing back against uh, evil. I'm just saying that we need to understand how to role model that because that's what it's going to be coming down to. And the more we can role model, the more people whose names will not be erased from the book of life, which is really, really important. And that is, that is, and that's, that's what maybe we can wrap that up with 
talking about that. Now, what can Christians do about this? And one thing I know is we need to educate people, but we also need to do witnessing. And, uh, but I also noticed there's a switch around. A lot of people are, you know, obviously frightened and scared. And so they're interested. And they're not interested in going to church and hearing um, the popular, you know, yeah. how to get rich and blessed thing. They want to know what's going on. And then and they want to know Bible prophecy. And then you have some people who teach Bible prophecy only, I don't know, I'm no offense to this, but they have one narrow way and they don't look beyond the box and look at the big picture, you know what I'm talking about. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so it's only that way. And then someone else comes up with their theology that goes against it. And boy, they, they butt heads and fight. And that's what a lot of Christians are turned off on. And that's what a lot of the people coming into the church will be turned off on. I think we need to actually... In my personal opinion, we need, need to focus in on Jesus, preach the simple gospel, but draw them in with the Bible prophecy, because I think God's drawing them in because people are hurting and they don't understand, why is my world going upside down? Why, why did I lose my job at the stroke of a pen? Why are I, this was five days ago, since this, this individual took office, there are 1.4 million or 5 million people unemployed. There's more than that now. And that was like five or six days ago. And so you have this, you know, a sense of doom. And then I see the people coming into the church, but a lot of churches, just poor people, they're walking into something that, that that's part of, the, part of the problem, in my opinion. But as believers, I think it'll probably be individual believers. Uh, they're going to be drawn to us and shows like this. And they might get some answers. With that, yes. I'll just let you go ahead and give your input yeah. on that as well. You know, what are we to do as believers in this time to help people come to Christ? Yeah. I, th I think a lot of the churches should put in those circular doors that it's, people are going in and out and in and out because they're not satisfying all of the needs mm -hmm. that people want. And the church is supposed to be able to tell us about the times that we're in and what is going on and what we need to know. And, 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 and they're not getting that on an individual basis is probably where we're going to have to um, be more effective. And as I say, you know, role modeling is key, but communicating and communicating in a way that doesn't turn people off. Yeah. And we need to, I call it planting seeds. Mm -hmm. um, and talking about things though, so that when you start to see some things, it'll start to make some sense to you because you've heard some of this and then maybe you'll come for more or somebody else will help you out. I also try and get people to start thinking again. And what I mean by that is I don't want to come out and say you're, 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 you're a deadhead or you're totally asleep or you're stupid. That's not going to get people to open their eyes. What you want them, to, what I want them to start doing is, is ask questions. And, and, and when you're seeing things, I, you know, does it resonate with you that something's not right here? What is, what is what going on? Does that not feel right to you? Then start asking some questions about that. And it's very easy to look at the tactics of the things you need to be aware of. So when the rhetoric doesn't match up to what, what they actually do, mm -hmm. that should be where you're asking even more questions. If the rhetoric about what they say is truth doesn't seem to match up with facts, 
then you need to dig a little deeper. You need to understand who these people are and you need to just, I don't expect people to instantly go, wow, now I, uh, yeah, I see everything because it doesn't really work that way. It takes a while and that people will have this cognizant dissonance that they're going to be wrestling with as they start to recognize some things. And that's when it's either going to go, they're going to dig in deeper or they're not. And what we don't want to do is push them into accepting the global, what I would call Nephilim world order, as opposed to the new world order, um, and challenge back. You know, if you see your children being taught things in school, and you can list a thousand different things right now as to something's not right about that, as simple as that, to it's to so totally wrong, you have to start asking questions about that and then saying, now what am I going to do about that? What can I do about it? How can I respond? And how do I communicate what I now have learned with other people, but in a way that isn't going to turn them off? And that's what I think we need to be doing more of. And it's going to be happening. Things are going to be happening on a faster scale. It's going to be heating up. So if, if we're not able to plant those seeds and get people to ask good questions and to ask themselves, does this look right to you? Do you think it's right that just because you think a little bit differently, you should be persecuted? But that may seem obvious, but I mean, just look at the model of what happened in Germany. Yeah. And how the people went along with it and didn't push back. And you end up with an end time scenario with an antichrist type figure, a Reich church, which is the Aryan or Ariosophy, which is a, a derivative of theosophy and Gnosticism. And you have a tyrannical state that creates a genocide and a Holocaust. And they would have started to slaughter a lot more people because they have that racial supremacy, not racial supremacy, but species supremacies, because they believe that they were the Aryans and of the Nephilim. Yeah. And you have a thousand year reign being promised. You have all the types of ingredients for that as being an end time, except that it was prevented as to what to look forward to as to what's coming in the end time. So look for that global socialism, that global nationalism as being going to be being repeated because that's the same system all the way in the past. Now, we can't stop it. There is an ordained time for this, and but we can push it off because mm -hmm. we don't know exactly when the end times are. Although I think it's increasingly for me becoming apparent that we are in the fig tree generation. Yeah, so we're heading there. <laughs> and, 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 and we may, we'll have to understand that even though we're pushing back, it may not stop it and it may not have the effect that we think that it ought to be. But that testimony in itself is what's important. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's, kind of what I've been doing and trying to just plant seeds in people they come up I can't tell them everything I know because they, they couldn't digest it all but you know I just tell them that and then plant seeds about Christ and 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 then just if they want to pray if they want to take some time alone to be with the Lord and get it right and then you know they can get saved you know easy enough however the Lord will lead them to and so 
So I just you simply try to plant the seeds and also try to show them that, you know, you know, I do ask questions, you know, I mean, have you noticed, you know, you know, uh, how, you know silencing a free speech? How would you like to be silenced, you know, and, and all that and your rights taken away and your vote doesn't matter. How, you know, how would you like it? How's that fair? Just plant seeds, let them think and they, they, they actually will come back and talk to you a little bit more. I mean, I found that to be very effective. And, and also living as ourselves as Christians, we, we have to live a more uh, a life that can be seen as, 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 as Christian. And we can't go to do things that you know, some Christians like to do, like hang out at bars and drink beer during a Bible study. You can't do that. I mean, that's, that's a bad example. I mean, I can go through horror stories of churches I've been into, I walk into and, and we're sitting there listening. And next thing you know, Oh, we're going to have angel kind of encounters today. It's like, huh? <laughs> Where's the door? <laughs> yeah. And I also think we need to warn people that don't follow people who leave out inconvenient passages in the Bible. Yeah. Do not follow people who apologize for Jesus and or define what Jesus said by other passages that they want to overrule that with. We need to get down to the heart of the spirit of prophecy and the mm -hmm. spirit of the, of the word of God, which is the word of God and scripture, and that is Jesus. So he is at the center of everything mm -hmm. as our uh, Messiah and our, our Redeemer who testifies before, you know, to God for us. And look for people who are not centered there and don't follow them yeah, you may wish them. to challenge them and they probably don't want to be challenged and they probably won't change their position but if they're not willing to listen then it's time to move on mm -hmm. they're going to they're going to do what they're going to do but they're going to hurt christians because what they're saying isn't going to happen and that's the problem and that's mm -hmm. how christians will be partially discredited in the end time and when the world needs Christians the most, many will fail them. Yeah. And that's what we have to also try and help people understand is we have to not be uh, a, an apocalyptic cult. Yeah. Mm -mm. Not at all. Just present the simple gospel message of Jesus Christ and what he came to do. The cross made a public spectacle of the enemy, exposing for them for who and what they are in a way when they come at us as Christians, we're doing the same. And that's kind yep. of what Jesus teaches that we are called to do, to expose evil. Sometimes they'll hurt us, but in the end, maybe somebody like they did in ancient Roman days in the Colosseum, they'll go, these are nice people. Why are we killing them? Yeah. And that's, you know, the entire world was evangelized that way. It might come to that point even yeah. now. It could come to that point real quick in this country. I mean, it's well, and one of the other things that uh, took the Romans by surprise with Christianity, even with all of this persecution, when there were disasters or sicknesses or things like that, it was the Christians that were knee deep in helping people mm -hmm. then, and they were astonished by that yes and that you know again is one of those testimonies out of history that we need to understand 
And that's kind of where I, you know, been led to is go back and look at some church history and look at how they did it in the first 300 years there under extreme persecution by of all people rome and that yeah. Roman system that babylonian system there was persecuting them uh, and the mithra religions the mystery religion all that they're under and it's just and they made a testimony of what they did and i think when i read prophecy that's kind of what as christian believers that's what we have to kind of prepare ourselves for and only way I know to do it is read the Bible. I study my Greek and my Hebrew. Some people don't do that, but I do. And study the Bible, read the Bible, pray, get to know Jesus, and just stay with the word. Uh, don't go after all these uh, so-called people you're talking about, these false people, false prophets, and just stick with the Lord. And all of a sudden, you start getting this inner strength. I can't explain it other than that. And you're able to be more effective. To, to help people that way that's what i find personally i don't know if you find that uh true or not gary but that's kind of what i'm finding is stay, stay true to the bible live yep. live a live a good christian life be an example and uh i like what second peter says add to your faith virtue that moral compass there that moral virtue and uh, self-control is in that mix you have to be self-controlled. You can't yep. go off on the handle, you know, fly off the handle. You have to have, you have to be a Christian. <laughs> have to be a Christian, absolutely. And uh, and not overstate who you are and, and what you are. And, yeah. you know, a lot of people think, uh, you know, will say, you know, are you, you know, did you go to seminary school? Are you a minister? Do you have a ministry? I don't have any of that. I, I'm a Christian who loves to research the Bible and other things. And, and all I do is trying to communicate what I've learned and hopefully people will find that of value and they'll connect some dots. And uh, I welcome people to always get a hold of me if they want some documents on information or they have some questions. And it's about providing that sort of information um, if people want it, because I, I don't push information on people. So that's the role that I think everybody ought to take and, and God will help you um, figure out what your position ought to be. And if you feel like you're pushing uphill on something, it's probably, that's not what he wants you to do. It, you, should, you probably need to go back and figure out with between in prayer in yourself with God and Jesus as to what should you be doing? Even though that may be well intended, but that may not be what he wants you to do. Amen. Amen to that. That's something I had to learn a long time ago. And as Christians, we need to learn those things. And uh, with that, Gary, we'll probably wrap this up right now. And I think people get an earful of stuff today. They probably have to digest. <laughs> and, uh, it was great talking to you. But why don't you give out your contact information, your website? I will put it on the video here. I'll put it. I'll plug it in mm -hmm. somewhere on I edited this, so. so if people are looking to get a hold of me, the best way is to uh, go to my website, which is the Genesis 6 conspiracy.com Genesis six with the number six conspiracy.com. So if you have a question or you have a comment, or if you want some more information on some of the things that we might've talked about today or something else, if you name the topic, I will send you information on that. 
or if it's just a question, I'll just answer the question for you on that. And on the website is a contact the author for the email, and it's actually genesis6conspiracy at gmail.com. So it's fairly easy to remember. And on the website, I also have a generous excerpt of all 98 chapters of my book. So you'll get a good feel for it, whether or not it's a book for you or not. And if you wanted to uh, buy a copy, you could uh, go to the Buy Now page. You can uh, get a signed copy from myself. You can link over to Kindle for a digital version. You can link over to barnesandnoble.com or to amazon.com and uh, get, get your book that way as well if, if the book interests you. You can also get a hold of me uh, on Facebook. That's the only social media I'm on right now as I look for new platforms. Um, so that's the only one, and I'll maintain that until I have other ones. So you can get a hold of me under Gary Wayne under my timeline, or you can message me. And uh, I may take me a few days to get back to you because I, I have a lot of messages that come in every day, but I will get back to you. So if you have any questions or comments or information, that's, those are the best ways to get a hold of me right now. That's that's great. I will put that information on the video when we get uh, get all edited here. With that, I, I really enjoyed today talking with you of, of somebody with like minds who understands what I'm saying. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm so glad you uh, came on today and uh, we get this video out. I send you a copy when I get done. And would you like to pray for people or end this with a prayer, Gary? Sure, I can, I can do that. Absolutely. So. Father in heaven, hear our prayer. We pray that people who are listening today, and we thank you for bringing together people to commune with Brian and myself, and hopefully have heard some things that will help them to understand things. And if that is the case, we ask that you bless them with, within that aspect of the learning, but more importantly, to bless them and encourage them to plant seeds elsewhere. As we get closer in the turbulent times that we're in right now, we pray that you'll be with us and you'll help guide us and that you will show us the way because we, without that guidance, without Jesus, we are nothing. And we pray that you are with us through the difficult times and to help us help others. And we pray these things in the name of our Redeemer, the Word Jesus, who sits at your right hand side and testifies to you for us and for all of the saints. And we also pray in the name of the Holy Spirit in your great and holy name. Amen. Amen. With that, everybody, this is the Christian Marauder with Gary Wayne, and we'll be signing off. And God bless you all. <laughs>